We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you say? Let's shift into our game week mailbag. Like we said at the top of the show, it is officially game week for the Ducks uh, as they prepare to take on the Portland State Vikings. We got a couple of questions that I already starred here in the chat. So make sure that you guys ask some in the chat to keep us rolling. But this is an interesting one. Not really. A, I guess it is a question. I was reading it as a comment. Timothy Taft asks and says, I believe strength and conditioning coach Wilson Love is one of the best additions Oregon has acquired other than landing, of course. Which position coach do you see as your wild card for Oregon's success? Mm. I'll go Elite Terry. Mm. I, I, I think Elite I Terry. To say that. <laughs> yeah, well, That's I, fair, though. He's, 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 he's a cool guy to listen I, to, man. I, I, I think the reason that you were going to say that is because he is the top option because you look at Junior Adams, Carlos Lachlan, and you say, okay, I watched them coach really good units last year. Oregon's receivers I thought were pretty good blocking. They had a really productive year. They've got good hands. Like They didn't make penalties. I thought the receivers were good. The running backs were even better. I mean, the running backs are awesome. They're fantastic. But this is a big test for Elite Terry. And, you know, I heard Josh Pate talking about it, which is, which he's doing more from a 30,000 foot view, but I, I also understand where he's coming from. And there's some Oregon fans who share this opinion as well. I don't question that the offensive line could be a top 20 unit nationally, but I can't see a world in which they're as good as they were last year, because there is an element to chemistry. And now Bo Nix being, uh, you know, being there and getting them into the right protections and organizing it, like, and his mobility helps with all of this too. But I just don't know how you could possibly expect an offensive line that is going to be playing together for the first time in a game this Saturday. I don't know how you can expect them to be as dominant as the O-line was last year in pass protection. And Oregon was able to run the ball all season long as well. Like they had one of the best yards per carry. I know it was a disastrous game, but we had one of the best yards per carry averages of any team that Georgia played all season long. Like, and Bo Nix wasn't sacked in that game. That offensive line last year, led by Alex Forsyth and TJ Bash, and then you had other guys in there like Ryan Walk and Big Sala, who, and Big Sala, I think, is going to be starting for the Baltimore Ravens uh, this year. At least that's the last I had heard on that a few weeks ago. That is a lot to replace. And yes, you're bringing in the requisite talent, but 
you now have a different signal caller up there in Jackson Powers Johnson, who has never taken a Power 5 snap at center. You have Josh Connerly, who has played Power 5 football and is clearly capable, but he's never been a full-time left tackle before. Like, I don't see how, even though Connerly's ceiling is probably higher than, than a TJ Bass, who was playing left tackle before him, I don't see how there isn't at least an element of a growing pain. Jackson Powers Johnson is playing a new position. He has never taken a snap at center in his, just, in his just, college sorry, career. Just, just to check that, Go Duck says he had 44 snaps at center last year. So he's not completely brand new at the okay. college level. But I see 44 is a very small number. And, it, and it's hard to see. And also, how many of those snaps were in like high pressure, high leverage situations? That's fair. They turned to walk when Forsyth was having his back spasms. And, I was just saying he's not. And he played it in high school, too. So different, yeah. different deal. But, um, you know. I see your but point. But you, you're gonna you, you're gonna have Connerly starting for the first time again. Immense talent, but he hasn't played down after down after down against Power Five competition before. He's come in in select moments and been a part of a jumbo package. That is that 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 is that is a question. Like I don't see how there isn't some adjustment there. Jackson Powers Johnson is not even taking fifty snaps at center, and none of them were probably in a big moment. That's a question. Now he graded. He's I think the highest graded interior offensive lineman on PFF that returns in all of college football this year, and that's not surprising. Like he was a talented recruit. He's been good since he got on campus, but now he's playing a new spot. So I fully believe they can be a really good unit this year and next year and in the future. But can they possibly be as good as last year? Like how close can they really be? I don't know how you can have that sort of expectation when you have guys moving around at key spots. If you were returning, like if JPJ had been the center last year and Connerly had been the tackle last year and you were just rotating or finding new players to play um, right tackle, which we are in a Johnny Cornelius, and then left guard, right guard, I'd be okay with that. But at your two most important offensive line spots, you were, you were turning to guys who have talent and potential but do not have the experience at those spots compared to the players who were there last year. And so that's why I feel like, to go back to the question from Timothy here, it's elite Terry because he has to get those guys playing at the highest level possible because it was such a key part of Oregon's success in 2022. Yeah, I, I definitely see the elite Terry angle. Like I told you, I mean, I was I was looking, leaning towards – doing that but for for fun here i don't want to don't want to have the same answer i think that i'm really high on the offensive line i think they're going to be plenty good for where oregon wants to go we'll, we'll leave it at that for now um but let's talk about chris hampton i think he could be a wild card for oregon success because that secondary has been especially at safety i feel like they've underachieved i think brian addison was definitely a bright spot from last year he had some good plays uh snagged some interceptions but I just think that the secondary is is a group that can really elevate their game. And I think they will this year because the pass rush should be better with all the talent and all the experience that they return along that front seven. Um, so you look at a guy like Chris Hampton who comes over from Tulane, maybe not, uh, you know, a, a super uh, fancy hire or, you know, one that really grabs your attention. But Tulane was a good team last year. They obviously beat USC in, in the Cotton Bowl. Um, so I think when you're looking at Chris Hampton, just look at the, the baseline of talent that he's going to be working with. He's going to be working with a lot better uh, roster, I think we can all agree, at Oregon versus Tulane. And um, I, I really just don't know a whole lot about him. I think 
one reason to be excited about him is he's going from a defensive coordinator to a quote defensive coordinator. But I think that that's going to allow him to, to maybe hone in his focus a little bit more on that safeties group that brings in some, some really interesting pieces with uh, Evan Williams and, and Tysheem Johnson. Um, so I think that those two guys can, can really help take that group to the next level. Um, you're going to see Nico Reed playing some nickel, but Joe Lorig, I think is more of the, the nickels guy. Um, so I'm going to go with, with Chris Hampton because I, I'm interested to see what he's going to be able to do in, in his first year uh, at Oregon um, with, with some of these safeties that he's got to work with. And, and they're going to need the safeties to play well so they don't get beat over the top like they did last year, uh, most notably in that Washington game, if they want to slow down some of these quarterbacks uh, in the Pac-12 this year. Let's move right along to our next question. I know uh, Spencer's on a tight timeline, so don't want to don't want to overextend uh, how how much he's you know given to us. Question from Bud Everts. He's a frequent viewer and listener. Max and Spencer, what is your prediction for the USC versus Oregon game? This is certainly an interesting one. I got the duckies. I got the duckies because of that Autzen Stadium factor. I think it's going to look like the Oregon game against Washington last year or the Georgia game against Ohio State. I, I don't think that's a game because of the talent that's there that is going to be kept low scoring. You know, I, I think both teams will probably be over 30, which is not an indictment of Oregon's defense. Georgia had a great defense last year. Ohio State put up however many. Like when you have a great offense and a great quarterback, which USC does, you're going to score points. That's just the reality in college football. So and frankly, in the NFL, but more so in college. I think that Oregon is capable of winning that game. I think the biggest thing that'll, you know, kind of determine whether or not they're able to control USC enough is how well they're able to run the football. And I watched USC allow almost 200 rushing yards to San Jose State. Now, a lot of that came from the quarterback, but there were some big plays from the running backs and USC's got better personnel than they did last year. But I, I still just don't trust Alex Grinch. And I think that when you look at the way Oregon has got a deep lineup of running backs, if Bo Nix is healthy, I think we'll be able to run the football a lot. And it'll look a lot like the Washington game last year, but this time I think Oregon is, is going to be able to, to squeak it out. So uh, give me the Ducks by probably less than a touchdown uh, in, in that one. But I think our ability to take the football and run out the clock like we did against uh, Utah last year, I, I think that's kind of what, what you end up with. But uh, always good to hear from you, bud. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's an yeah. everyday or mine too. He's a man. There you go. There you go. We love that. Love the crossover. Uh, I'm going to go Oregon too um, for a couple of reasons. I think that coming off those games against Washington and Utah um, and then certainly Cal the, the week prior, they should be coming off of a win. You're at home where you play at your best. Um, I think that the, the timing of this game, November 11th, I think Oregon's defense should be uh, a lot more confident and just playing better football by the time USC runs around, uh, rolls around, excuse me, you're already going to have experience going against Penix and rising two of the best quarterbacks in, in the Pac-12. Um, and I think really what's going to make the difference in this game, you talked about running the ball. Uh, I think it's going to be how much you can contain Caleb Williams. And that doesn't mean that you need to sack him every drive. I mean, that's just not realistic. But if you can just, you know, keep hitting them throughout the game, you know, be, be a pest, be in his face, I think USC's O-line is going to have their hands full with this Oregon defensive line, um, and, and they're going to be able to really be an asset in this game, be something that gives Oregon the edge. Uh, I think this is also going to come down to big plays and taking care of the ball. Uh, that's usually how it works in these big games that are going to be probably pretty close. Um, so if Oregon can can emerge as a playmaking defense, which wasn't really something that they were last year, um, you know, Gonzalez had some some good uh, interceptions. I talked about Addison, some some fumbles here and there. Um, like, I think that we need to see, like, I think about the Utah game last year. That was their best defensive performance of the year, Spencer. If we can have, if they can have, like, three games maybe like that in terms of just the defense is, like, this is our game. I, that's what I want to see from this Oregon defense this year. Like, if I'm, if I'm on that side of the ball, I'm saying – I'm I'm a little I'm a little ticked that the offense is getting all that hype that they're taking all the headlines. Um, like we know that Oregon is kind of, you know, looking to be this defensive program since they have Dan Lanning as their head coach, but they they need to be uh, a defense that is feared. That's what Evan Williams has talked about this offseason, That that's kind of the step that they want to take, and if they can become that, and they can become Caleb Williams' worst nightmare, which is not an easy thing to do. I think that's going to help give them the edge, but I also see this one being decided by a touchdown or less, but I think it's a game that Oregon can win and really needs to win. Yeah, think about this, Max. You know who put up Caleb Williams' worst game of 2022? Oregon State. Now, Oregon State's defense was better than Oregon's last year in several areas, but ask yourself this and this is where coaching and play calling comes into play and why i i loved your chris hampton talk uh, earlier in the show in what world does oregon state's defense have more overall talent better athletes better players than oregon's never they don't they shouldn't no they it don't <laughs> they never do but the gap schematically was so large a season ago that that's the way it played out Oregon State had a better defense than Oregon. So it's not as if it's impossible to make Caleb Williams uncomfortable, to make him struggle over the course of a game. 
I would love to see Oregon do that. I mean, Cam Rising doesn't struggle very often. Oregon made him look bad. We made him look bad. And that's what I'm looking for. I don't expect it every week because, it, you know, sports are always advantageous to the, the side of the ball or the player who has the ball and is making a decision, right? Pitching in baseball, offense in basketball, offense in football. Good pitching beats good hitting every time. Good offense beats good defense in basketball every time. You can play perfect defense. Guy will still hit a shot. And in football, if your quarterback is playing really well, there's nothing you can really do about it if he's got the proper coaching to go along with it. So it's not like Oregon can't have Caleb Williams, you know, flustered, uncomfortable, making bad. Because we saw it last year against Oregon State. It's just not something, you know, the Utah game last year was great. You can't expect that every week, but gosh, I would love to see it more than once a year. I mean, we had we had one. I, I, I kind of put the BYU game in a dominant defensive discussion as well. Um, I, I think that was probably their second best effort because Utah was a better team than, than BYU in 2022. Um, you know, that game, like they came back a little bit, sort of, but, you know, Ty Thompson threw – it was actually uh, Dante Thornton's fault, but it, it, you know he threw the interception and that gave him a short field and whatnot. But like that game late in the third quarter was thirty-eight to seven. Like BYU wasn't able to move the football down the field, and then against Utah, you forced turnovers, you got stops, you got off the field on third and fourth down, everything that we didn't see consistently. And I don't expect you to be so dominant that you allow ten points a game to the eventual Pac-12 champions week in and week out. But I would like to see that more than a couple times this year. And I would like to see those efforts where, you know, Oregon had some blowout wins in, in 2022, which was great, right? Stanford was honestly a good defensive showing for the most part. It got away from them a bit in the second half, but it was 31 to three at the half. Arizona, Oregon got up big. Cal, Oregon got up big. I want to see that, but I want to see four full quarters of defense in, in games like that, you know, Colorado and Stanford or Texas Tech, Hawaii, Portland State, whoever, before I feel confident that we'll see it several times. But that's that's what we need to see, is if you're going to win the Pac-12, you have to be able to be capable of playing great defense as players and as a staff more than, more than one or two times a season. Next question, we got Mark, who's also a frequent viewer. Thanks for the question, Mark. Mark asks, which quarterback will come out during quote-unquote garbage time to finish the games? I think for me right now, it's probably looking like uh, Ty Thompson just because he has a pretty good handle on that QB2 spot right now. But Austin Novosad has generated some buzz during fall camp uh, after enrolling early. He's a guy who's from the state of Texas, which is uh, you know Stein's stomping ground prior to landing in Eugene, spending some time over at UTSA. He's very well connected in that state. Um, so I think Ty Thompson's probably the guy that you're going to see come in here. Not a whole lot of controversy uh, around that one. I think where you get interested in the conversation, the conversation gets interesting is in 24 after Knicks leaves. But right now I'm, I'm thinking that it's more than likely going to be Ty Thompson. And we had another qu uh, comment before about him, but we can, we can get your, your take here before we get back to that Spencer. I know we got to go in a few. Yeah, I, I think it'll be Ty. You know, I would love to see growth here. I would love by the end of the year to say, I see a path for Ty Thompson to start in 2024. And we should see Ty Thompson on Saturday. And hopefully we see some improvement. The biggest thing with him is operating the offense and being comfortable in the pocket. Those are the two things that he's lacking right now. If he improves them dramatically, 
because he's way behind where you'd like him to be going into year three based on what we saw in the spring game, then he could start in 2024 because his arm talent is out of this world. But we have to see that first. Luckily, we'll, we should be able to get a peak on Saturday. All right, last comment we'll go and touch on for today comes from Darius P. Darius says, David Davis and Tyler Shuck are another example of players that go to other places and succeed. Ty Thompson is good enough. Oregon needs to make it work before he transfers and shows out somewhere else. Yeah, this is a, an interesting one. I think, well, first of all, I, I prayers out to David Davis. I hope he's doing all right. Um, you know, we saw the preseason action over the weekend. He's been playing for the Dolphins, I believe, and he actually had to get stretchered off and taken to the hospital. So hope he's doing all right. But Tower Shuck's doing his thing at, at Texas Tech for sure. As far as Ty goes, I think there's a lot of attention being paid to this because it's, he's a quarterback. But kind of like I've been saying this offseason, it's just I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. If Oregon can get into some blowouts, then that's his time to show that he's taking that next step. Yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, what we're all going to be looking for here. And, you know, if if it looks like the same old mistakes and uh, errors that Ty Thompson has made and the action that we have seen from him, then that creates an opportunity for Austin Novoset. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all to say, hey, 2024 season opener, we play, you know, whoever in, in that game. I haven't looked ahead, and I don't know if that changes when we go to the Big Ten because non-conference is schools control anyway. I can see a world in which Austin Novosad is the starter. I mean, I, I don't think that Ty Thompson can rest on its laurels and experience and say, well, you know, I'm just going to be given the backup job and be the leader going into 2024. No, if Novosad comes in and looks better, then I expect the staff to make the call there and say, we're going to go with the guy who is most prepared, who gives us the best chance to win if, if you know, God forbid, Bo Nix were to go down with, with an injury. And, you know, if Ty's not able to really grasp that role and, and get it on lockdown, then – that's just the way recruiting goes sometimes, especially at the quarterback position. And we'll go about trying to find whoever Oregon's next quarterback of the future will be. Yeah, that's Ty Thompson's development and evolution is certainly going to be a storyline that I'm going to be following throughout the year. It's definitely not at the forefront of the conversation because he's not a starter, but Hey, 2024 could be his year. You never know. But uh, yeah, Spencer, we have taken enough of your time, but before we get out of here, let the people know where they can find more of you and what you have going on in this space. Yeah, I host Locked on Ducks and Locked on Pac-12 Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts all year round. And I'm on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 if you ever want to send me a note. Time flies when you're having fun, and I cannot wait to get to Saturday to be able to watch the Ducks play against uh, Portland State. But Max, thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you for taking the time out to stop by, Spencer. You guys got to make sure you tap in with him and all the great work he's doing on YouTube. Twitter, a little bit of writing as well over at 750 The Game. If you want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at mtorressports. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Torres. If you guys are here in the live chat, just do me a favor and hit that subscribe button and the like button. And you can also read my work over on ducksdigest.com. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for us on today's episode, episodes of the Ducks Dish podcast. So Thank you guys for taking some time to talk some ball. Thanks to Spencer, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.